Welcome to the Tanya Acker Show. My next guest has an incredible message of energy, optimism, hope, triumph over adversity. Uh, She's a survivor of addiction and mental health struggles, and she now makes beautiful, beautiful art uh, that is uplifting and inspirational, puts me in a good mood, um, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. She's Angie Quintanilla-Coates, and here we are. Welcome to the podcast, Angie. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So tell us about 515. Uh, The work is bright and beautiful, and uh, we'll get into what it's about. But talk to us a little bit about your company. I started freelance graphic design in 2015. And I've always liked the name 515. I remember journaling when I before I quit my job and started having my own business, I wrote down that name and I didn't know what it would be. Um, But I just thought I liked it and it had good, uh, good energy. And that has become my creative business, I guess. I've switched from graphic design to creating products that I design and sell at different stores. And now also uh, adding to that an illustration career where I get commissions from Uh, for editorial or commercial from different people, which is really exciting, especially being self-taught. Let's talk about that first. When you say self-taught, does that mean you didn't take, you've never had any professional training as an artist or an illustrator? You're just one of those folks who's like the opposite of me and naturally gifted when it comes to uh, making these beautiful pieces? Well, uh, I did go to an art high school, but when it came to doing college at the time, my parents advised me to do something quote unquote serious. So I have a BA in international relations uh, with honors and I I love learning. So I enjoyed every part of that degree, but my heart has always been, uh, I'm a creative soul. So I love learning and creativity. And so I taught myself how to illustrate. I'm still learning, by the way. I feel like I'm going to be a learner and a beginner forever. And I love that. Um, but yeah, there's we have we're so lucky. There's so much access to education online. There's so many YouTube tutorials and practice. You know, if you practice enough at anything, you'll get better. You and your work have been featured all over the place. People Magazine, BuzzFeed, Vox, Etsy, many different platforms. You describe your art as one that focuses on messages of optimism, joy, and hope. Tell us why it was important for you to create art that has that type of positive message. I honestly think it's very selfish because I I need those things. I, I need hope and joy and optimism to continue advocating for the things that I care about they're, they're part of my values. And I think culturally, being a Latina and being Mexican, it just goes hand in hand. I remember when I would complain to my mom about politics and the state of the world, she would always tell me like, we've been through worse in Mexico and we still continue to show up and live life and celebrate each other. So I think um, I do it for me and I hope that it helps others as well. How does it help you? How do these messages and the visuals and the beautiful vividness of what you do. How does it help you? Tell us how it helps you heal. Believing that things can get better 
motivates me to continue learning. It gives me purpose in life. Somebody said recently, I think it was in a podcast interview, that you can't give or advocate for the things that you don't have in your heart. So I do believe that we need to believe that things can change and things can get better. Otherwise, what's the point? Why? I don't want to be cynical ever, which can be very easy, especially in the last two years. I think we've all gone through a lot of loss and trauma. I don't know a single person in the world that hasn't, that was conscious during the past two years that hasn't lost something. But I still believe stubbornly that um, that we will get through it and that things can get better. You've indicated that a lot of your work is motivated or centered around positive messages around mental health and wellness. Uh, why that issue? Because of my background. So I have struggled with mental health in the past, especially when, when I moved to Canada. I, uh, I was diagnosed with clinical depression and I am in recovery from substance use. I've been sober for 13 years and uh, I also am in recovery from an eating disorder for eight years now. So I, those are things that are obviously very personal to me um, and that they come out in my, in my work. And I think that there's an overlap. I see a lot of similarities in the fight for social justice and the things that I've learned in recovery. You know, when you are an addict, we learn that once an addict, always an addict, but you can recover. Hopefully, if you're so lucky for the rest of your life, provided that you take da daily action for your mental health. And I feel like in social justice as well, we live in a system that is flawed and is designed that way. But if we all consistently take small daily actions to improve, things can get better. I mean, I am an example. I've changed so much. So if you, if you put in the work, things can happen. When you were struggling with uh, your substance abuse and with mental health, and thank you for sharing that, by the way. Um, I, you know, we live in a society where people are so used to like, there's one group of folks who are just constantly telling you everything about everything they live all the time. It's in information overload. But sometimes we take for granted the power that happens when someone shares something sensitive and personal and important. And, and I don't want to give short shrift to your having done that because it does tie into your work. Uh, so when you were struggling, were you able to create? Were you still able to do the work? Um, or did the mental illness hold you back for a bit? Oh, definitely. I think the the myth of the you know tortured artist is that a myth. I am I am I'm able to create because I look after my mental health religiously. It's my number one priority, and I am I feel like knock on wood I'm so far away from relapse. But because I've put in so much practice and work, and I have I'm so lucky. I have a lot of resources in Canada, like universal healthcare which is a huge relief. Um, I have access to therapy. I have an incredible recovery community that has my back and I have theirs. So I do have all of these resources that I do use. And because of that, I am able to like be self-employed, create my own art, teach myself how to create art and live a life that truly aligns with my values. 
Um, and I do know that that's a privilege that I, I don't take that lightly. I'm grateful every single day. Your story and uh, what you shared about your own survival is going to help somebody. I am sure of it. Tell us what you think your work does for people who are struggling. Because, you know, the other thing you said that I don't want to give short shrift to is that irrespective of whether or not you've been diagnosed with something, the last two years have been tough for just about everybody I know. I don't care what skin you live in. I don't care how much money you have in the bank. Certainly tougher for those who don't have money in the bank, uh, which has become an increasing number, but it's been really hard. How can your art help people make it feel less hard? Well, lately I have been focusing on switching a little bit from the message of we should be doing this or we should be doing that to hopefully what comes across is what I'm telling myself, which is that we need to cut each other some slack. Mm. No matter what your political beliefs are, which I am extremely liberal and proud of my values, but I, I really want to, instead of jumping to conclusions, just give people the benefit of the doubt, maybe admit that everybody's just doing the best we can. Some people's best maybe is very poor <laughs> and sometimes mine too, uh, but maybe um, just having a little bit more compassion. I'm, I'm trying to have that for myself and hopefully that comes across in the message that people I think everybody's a little bit burnt out and maybe by a little, I mean a lot <laughs> in one way or another. Yeah. By a little, you mean exceptionally. <laughs> and you know, what's so <laughs> wonderful about your work and then perhaps you'll show us uh, some pieces that you're particularly excited about or that you just want to show us. I assume you're probably excited about all of your work. I think it's really vivid and beautiful. The thing that I take away from it as I look at it is that it has a statement you know, there is a message. You've got something to say, but it's not angry. It's not mean. And you definitely leave your viewers and the consumers of your work with a sense that, you know, we're going to make it like it's going to be all right. Like it's not perfect now things and it's not glossing over things that are tough but it's about not letting that toughness carry the day. Like that's not the end of the story. Uh, can we look at some of your pieces? Can we look at some stuff? Uh, yeah, so I have some in the background. Some of these magnets are very, very small, but here's a piece that says gender. Is there, can you get oh. pick one of the magnets and maybe hold it up to the camera? Cause yeah, we can't really see. Yeah. It's one. This is, I, I hope. hope Good things always find you. Sorry, it's backwards. <laughs> but no, it's that's great. That's yeah. great. Uh, this one is uh, Article 1 from the United Nations Universal Declaration of Human Rights. So we've known this since the end of World War II, that all human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. I really do believe this. It is our human purpose to help one another. We're pack That's really animals. Beautiful. That's really beautiful. Yeah. Thank Although, you. Although, you know, the first one you had, uh, I hope happiness finds you. I'm not saying that you mean it this way, but that could be a little way of throwing shade. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you keep coming to me like that. I hope some happiness and goodness finds you. I'm actually going to, I think we can use it both ways. Uh, I sometimes it. would use it that way. I hope uh, you get what you deserve. 
<laughs> you give back and as part of what you do at 515.com. And everybody can go to Angie's website, the the 515, that's the number 15, the five number one, number five.com, the515.com. You can shop for the work. Uh, she's got it's a beautiful store where you can get all kinds of neat stuff. But one thing that's also very important is what is your mission and giving back? Tell us about why you give back and to whom you give. Yeah, I have to give a shout out to my mom uh, because she taught me that. In Mexico, she was always volunteering and donating. What little we had, we shared with others. And so from the beginning of, uh, and it's something that I wanted to do as soon as I moved to Canada, but because of my struggles, I would volunteer and then I wouldn't be able to show up to my shifts because I just couldn't. So I made it a mission to, when I started my business, whenever I could to donate a part of my proceeds, which um, I tried to do every quarter or so, uh, according to what's going on in the world and donate. So obviously my, not obviously, but my most recent donations have been to uh, the people of Ukraine. Um, which is also, there's never a shortage of places to to help. Um, but, you know, I want to yeah. tell people too, financial help obviously is important, but there are so many ways to help that for those that maybe think, well, I don't have enough to share. Well, $5 is, uh, you know, whatever you have can make a difference if we all do it together. But also you can, there's other ways. You can volunteer your time. You can forward it to a friend. There's so many ways to be a helper. Angie, you talked about your own struggles. Um, how did you get healthy? How did you get well? I hit bottom, which I feel like as a society, we are kind of, we've hit a bottom a couple of years ago. I, I think pain is unfortunately a great motivator to change. I think I had a, I came to a crossroads where I knew I can't keep going the way I'm going. I can't do this anymore. Um, and I need help. And I am so grateful that in Canada, there is universal health care because I walked into a free clinic and I was broke and I just said, hey, this is happening. I need help. And my doctor told me, well, you need to get sober. And so I've been sober ever since. The um, connection between substance abuse and mental illness. I mean, one, substance abuse is a mental illness, but I think sometimes people don't appreciate how much it can exacerbate you know, depression, even if you're not sick, like even if alcohol isn't a substance that you are inclined to abuse, you know, people think like you take a drink and then you feel happy, but they forget that there's a downside to that. It's wonderful that you were able to recognize that. For all of those people, Angie, who are struggling with mental illness, whether diagnosed or not, what's your advice? How do you take the first step to trying to get yourself well. I mean, we've learned over the past several years, uh, record numbers of suicides amongst young people, incredible levels of mental illness, anxiety, and depression, you know, and sometimes not reported. People don't get help. They feel guilty, you know, they're like, I got a roof over my head and I've got food to eat. Why am I going to go complain about this anxiety that I feel in my body? So I think it's really widespread right now, more than we even talk about. What do you tell people, you know, just to like, what's the, 
if there is one thing, you know, is there one thing that they can do or think about to try to start to see past the darkness? Yeah, you don't have to wait until you think it's bad enough. I, I didn't drink every day, so I thought, well, I'm not that bad. I didn't go to a treatment center. So I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, I'm not that bad yet. But I, I think of it as why not live like instead of not aim for not horrible, we can aim for thriving, living an optimal life. And, mm -hmm. and there are so many things, uh, so many places where you can get help. Um, you know, I Googled things and I got a bunch of phone numbers. You can talk to a trusted friend. I do really believe that we are on Earth to help one another and to live a happy life. And, and we can do so much more when we don't have that burden of, of addiction, that numbing. And also being uncomfortable is not going to, it didn't kill me. That's what I was so afraid of. I didn't want to be uncomfortable. And now, I mean, I still don't like it, <laughs> but I can, I can be uncomfortable and it passes. How old were you when you moved from Monterey, Mexico to Canada? I was uh, a baby. I was 21 years old, full of dreams. <laughs> Why the move? Talk, talk, tell us about the move. Because uh, that's well, old. I mean, you were like, you, uh, you know, not say a 21 is old, but it's a big move when you are a fully formed adult to leave a country and try to start a life in a new country. What, what were you doing at the time? What was happening in your life? I had just graduated university. I was a high school teacher in Mexico. I taught one semester, but I knew I was moving here. And I always wanted to see the world in Vancouver. I had come to visit. It was a multicultural city. And I... I was fascinated by living abroad. That was always, I studied international relations. So I thought now I can practice. And I was dating a Canadian man at the time who was moving back to Canada. So it, it made perfect sense for me to come with him. So we're not together anymore, but because of him, I came to Canada. And I'm very lucky that I was documented. I applied very naively, I arrived at the airport and I said, hi, I'm here in a visitor visa, but I'm going to apply for permanent residency. Here's all my luggage. And they said, welcome. Wait a second. <laughs> I don't think for people who don't know don't do um, that. <laughs> what that means, like if you're trying to come to the United States and you don't want them to put you on a plane to leave immediately, don't yeah, say don't that. Say that. <laughs> don't say no. that. <laughs> I was but. lucky that the guy was like, well, good luck to you. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> uh, that is really something. But, you know, we've talked about these very serious and severe personal struggles. What we haven't yet talked, we've talked about the art. Uh, what we haven't talked about is how, Angie, you got into a position where you could make a business of the art, because there are two things that you've traversed there. One is starting and growing a business, which is hard. I don't care what you're selling. It's hard. It's hard in this climate. Uh, it's hard for people. It's hard for young women, because uh, I'll just say it, like sometimes people just don't take women as seriously as mm -hmm. much as you think you wouldn't have to say that these days. It is just... The truth, even for those of us who, uh, who aren't that young sometimes. How did you start this business? And not only did you start it, but by all appearances, uh, it seems to be doing very well. I mean, you're featured all over the place. Vox, BuzzFeed, People. How did you get there? One step at a time. 
Um, but honestly, too, my my mom, ever since I was a little kid, I always had business ideas and I always wanted to sell things. And my mom, bless her, she would say, well, I will be a, your business partner. I will buy all of the equipment and materials that you need and you keep all the profits, which was a great deal for me. So she always encouraged that. And when I um, started freelancing with graphic design, I designed one product to do a fundraiser for when I rescued my dog. And that became popular and I saw an opportunity and I slowly started to make more and more products, knocking on doors, asking stores if they would carry my products, getting involved with other makers um, that were also selling, the majority women. And I think it's because we're not taken seriously in companies, so we start our own. I can be my own boss. I can make my own rules. There's a huge community of independent artists that also make products and amazing independent stores that want to support independent artists and carry their products. So yeah, slowly but surely. And like what, five years later, I this is my full-time job. And you hustled. I mean, what's interesting about that story uh, that you just said is that you had an idea you had a super awesome mother, <laughs> uh, a wonderful, you know, wonderful support. But at the end of the day, you got to just put in the walking hours and the pounding the pavement hours and then try to convince people to invest in you. I mean, anytime you get a customer to buy something, they're making a certain type of investment in you. Uh, so you're now five years in and uh, going gangbusters. What's next? I started painting like I do digital art, but now I am learning to paint act, like physical things and I am really enjoying it. I find it very soothing. It's very slow. Uh, it's another thing that I'm learning. So it's always interesting to learn a new skill. And um, I don't know, maybe I'll do a mural. Who knows? Based on what I've seen of your work, I can't think of anything more beautiful than to see it in a really, really large scale on the side of a building somewhere. And living in Los Angeles and spending a lot of time in my car, uh, we could use a big, bright, happy mural that we could see off of the freeway. So uh, maybe you'll come down south. We need you know, your, your, your United States friends down here. We need a little cheering up ourselves. Are you optimistic about the future? Are you hopeful? Yeah, I am. You don't I sound am. convinced. You know, I, I surrender, I don't, I, I have accepted that I can't control what other people do, but I am optimistic about what I can do. I can mm. control my actions and I am optimistic about that. I cannot change others. I can hopefully motivate others, but, but I am responsible for my own actions and I do feel hopeful about those. That was so perfectly put. I feel like I want to end on that note. Um, and I will do the same. I can't be hopeful about, I don't know that I'm hopeful about what a whole bunch of other folks are gonna do, but thank you for the reminder that we can be hopeful about how we move forward in the world. So thank you so much for that. Uh, the website, the515.com. And just so we're clear, the five, spell out the number five, I'm sorry, write out the number five and then the numbers one five, the five fifteen.com. Uh, Angie Quintanilla Coates, 
artist, illustrator, businesswoman, entrepreneur uh, from Montreal, Canada, who made her way to Montreal from Monterey, Mexico, when she was 21, who will not be defeated. She, oh, I'm sorry. She made her way from Monterey, Mexico. I don't know why I keep wanting to put you in Montreal, like such a Francophile, like, you know, you don't need to speak French. You live in Vancouver. <laughs> um, but she made her way from Monterey, Mexico to Vancouver, Canada, and she overcomes and she makes beautiful, bright art that reminds all of us that we'll get through it. Um, we can get through it. So Angie Quintanilla Coates, v515.com. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope you'll come back. And I'm going to go on your website today and buy some stuff. Thank you so much. I would love to send you something. You, uh, you can send me all. something, but I'm also going to buy you spy stuff because, you know, I think that everybody's like, let's support each other. Well, when somebody's in business, they need your support by dollars. Okay, let's just, you know, let's we can love and hug. <laughs> But let's support uh, the sisters who we want to support by their stuff. Uh, Thank thanks, Angie, you. for being here. Thanks so much. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Nice meeting you.